Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Zephaniah chapter 2, beginning at the first verse. Gather together, gather together, O shameful nation, before the appointed time arrives and that day sweeps on like chaff, before the fierce anger of the Lord comes upon you, before the day of the Lord's wrath comes upon you. Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land, you who do what he commands. Seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you will be sheltered on the day of the Lord's anger. Gaza will be abandoned and Ashkelon left in ruins. At midday, Ashdod will be emptied and Ekron uprooted. Woe to you who live by the sea, O Kerithite people. The word of the Lord is against you, O Canaan, land of the Philistines. I will destroy you, and none will be left. The land by the sea where the Kerithites dwell will be a place for shepherds and sheep pens. It will belong to the remnant of the house of Judah. There they will find pasture. In the evening they will lie down in the houses of Ashkelon. The Lord their God will care for them. He will restore their fortunes. I have heard the insults of Moab and the taunts of the Ammonites who insulted my people and made threats against their land. Therefore, as surely as I live, declares the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, surely Moab will become like Sodom, the Ammonites like Gomorrah, a place of weeds and salt pits, a wasteland forever. The remnant of my people will plunder them. The survivors of my nation will inherit their land. This is what they will get in return for their pride, for insulting and mocking the people of the Lord Almighty. The Lord will be awesome to them when he destroys all the gods of the land. The nations on every shore will worship him, every one in its own land. You too, O Kashites, will be slain by my sword. He will stretch out his hand against the north and destroy Assyria, leaving Nineveh utterly desolate and dry as the desert. Flocks and herds will lie down there, creatures of every kind. The desert owl and the screech owl will roost on her columns. Their calls will echo through the windows. Rubble will be in the doorways. The beams of cedar will be exposed. This is the carefree city that lived in safety. She said to herself, I am, and there's none besides me. What a ruin she has become, a lair for wild beasts. All who pass by her scoff and shake their fists. Let me pray as we stand. Father God, we thank you for the marvellous love of Jesus. We thank you for you sending him and we thank you, Jesus, for coming. And we thank you that he lived and he died and he rose again for us.
And tonight, Father, as we live now and as we wait his return, when he will take us to be with you forever, we pray that you would help us. Help us to listen and to learn and to know how to live and how to wait. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, please do take a seat. It'd be great if you could turn back in your Bibles as well to Zephaniah in chapter 2, page 945. It's also a blank page on the back of your service order as well. If you wanted to take some notes, that might help you to follow where we're going. I wonder if you've ever started a project and then never finished it. Uh, I guess it's not an uncommon experience for many people. Uh, Maybe it's a a DIY project. You start doing something, you get a long way through it, but you never quite get to those finishing touches, the thing which would make it kind of look finished. Or maybe it's a craft project, and you buy all the materials, and you make a a brief start, and then they all lie around doing nothing for a while after that. Or maybe you've done what I've done before. You've had those, that great intention to get fitter and so you buy a gym membership. Um, and if you're like me, you, you work it out in your mind how much it's going to cost. You think, well, if I go uh, three times every week, then over the whole year, that's two pounds a visit. And I can get to use the sauna after. That's not, that's not too bad. And if you're anything like me, then the reality is it costs you 50 pounds a visit and you don't use the sauna because you're absolutely exhausted. You see, giving up on things, we do it all the time, don't we? We start things and then give up. And often when we give up on things, it doesn't really matter. You know, my children start clubs all the time and they do it for a while and then they give up. It doesn't matter. There's no real consequence in that. And yet when we come to Christianity, the consequences of giving up are huge. And and living as a Christian can be hard. It can be a struggle to live as a Christian. And sometimes we might look around at other people and think, well, it'd be much easier just to do what they're doing. So I could have a a more fun, a more secure, a more prosperous, a more carefree life just by giving up. And it can seem an attractive, good option. And yet as we come to Zephaniah chapter two tonight, I want to say to you that that is the worst idea that you could ever have. Now we come back to Zephaniah where we ended last week in verses 1 to 3 of chapter 2. And in these verses, in the face of the coming day of the Lord, the day that will ultimately come when Jesus returns, as we just sung about, in that day will be when Jesus returns and all nations and all people are judged by him. In the face of that day, Zephaniah says, Seek the Lord. You see, the day of the Lord was a day when God would bring an end to evil and injustice and would establish his kingdom forever. And that day would arrive with the coming of the Lord. And Zephaniah says, seek the Lord. Now he spent chapter 1 showing the people of God that they had messed up. Now God had saved them from the land of Egypt many, many years before. And after that he said to them, I will continue to bless me if you keep following me. And yet if you reject me and turn away from me, then I will curse you. And the nation in the time of King Josiah, from the high to the low, the rich to the poor, had rejected God. 
Now they become a people who had turned away from Yahweh and rejected him. They had compromised with all the nations around them and taken on the values and the idols of those, those nations. They had thought in their heart, God will do nothing, either good or bad. Zephaniah says that was to presume on God's patience and that he would come and he would judge people. That's why chapter 2 starts with those words. God says, gather together, gather together, you shameful nation. I'm preparing this passage this week. One of the things I've discovered that the word used for gather together there, you see it in verse 1, it says it twice. The word used there is a word that comes from the context of a harvest. So the farmer would collect the harvest and he would remove the grain and what would be left would be the straw and the people would go around gathering together that straw and the word that's used here is the word for gathering together that worthless straw. You see what God's saying? He was saying to these people who had sinned and turned away from him, come together you nation that is shameful of the same worth as straw that is ready to be burned. It's quite confronting words that he uses here. And yet that's the effect that sin has on us. As we reject the living and true God, we become less than we should be. We become objects destined for destruction. And so when the day of the Lord came, that worthless straw would be burnt up. On the day of the Lord, that, when God would put an end to injustice and evil, all the worthless things in the world would be burnt up. And as we go on, we see that the expectation was that that day would come when God's Messiah came. And so it's no coincidence that when John the Baptist began his ministry preparing for the coming of the Lord Jesus, he proclaimed to the people of Israel at the time, repent, turn back to God. That is, they needed to get ready for the coming of the Lord, the coming of Jesus. He says, get ready because the axe is already swinging at the root of the tree. Judgment is coming. But more than that, he says with the words of Zephaniah in his ears, he says Jesus will come with his winnowing shovel in hand. He comes with his winnowing shovel that he would, in order to get rid of the chaff which would be burnt up. You see, John says Jesus would come and he would scoop up worthless straw ready for burning John says judgment would come with Jesus. And he was right. And yet Jesus first opened up a little opportunity. He opened up an opportunity giving time for people to return to the Lord. You see, Jesus will come back and he says in that time I will judge the living and the dead. He opens up a time for a worthless nation, for people like straw. Zephaniah even saw that. You see that in verse 2. He says, before the appointed time arrives, that day sweeps on like chaff. Before the fierce anger of the Lord comes upon you, before the Lord's wrath comes on you. You see, Zephaniah was saying, before that day comes, there is time to change your behavior and your thinking. There is time to do something. It's the same message we hear right the way through the New Testament. The day is coming. Jesus will return. That day of the Lord will come when Jesus comes. The day of the Lord is the day of Jesus Christ. 
But before that day, there's a chance to do something. And that thing is what we saw in verse 3. Seek the Lord. See, put your effort into seeking the Lord. That means seeking his righteousness. That is, seek his way of living and acting. Seeking him means to do what he wants us to do. It means seeking humility. That is to learn the lesson that we, are, we have nothing within ourselves. And we need to ask God to be gracious to us and kind to us. You see, we seek the Lord. We are humble before him. We seek righteousness. And Zephaniah says, verse 3, perhaps you will be sheltered on the day of the Lord's anger. Zephaniah says, if you do that, perhaps you'll be sheltered. Perhaps there'll be a way through that day of the Lord. The Zephaniah's hearers had been people who had rejected God and they knew the consequences of rejecting him. Zephaniah's proclaimed the consequences of that and there doesn't therefore seem to be any real assurance for them. Yet the only possible place where they might find any sort of assurance, any sort of safety, any sort of shelter was in the one bringing that day of judgment, in the Lord himself. And for us here tonight, you know, the the call is the same. Seek the Lord, turn to the Lord, and yet we've got something much, much more sure. Something much, much more certain. You see, we seek humility and righteousness by following the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus is the one who now shelters us. When I say he opened up a time for us uh, to do something before he came, he did more than just open up a time. He was the one who gloriously died on the cross, facing the wrath of God on our behalf, so that he took the punishment that we deserve, so that when that day comes, we might be sheltered in him. So that we might not face the wrath of God, but that we might shelter under Jesus. Sheltered because Jesus first faced that fierce wrath of God on our behalf. So the Thessalonians in the New Testament are, are examples of what it looks like. Paul tells us there that they were people who turned away from idols, that is, the false gods they were serving. They threw their lot in with Jesus. And Paul describes Jesus then as the one who rescues us from the coming wrath. See, that's what we do. We throw our lot in with Jesus. We trust in him as we wait for that day. And yet, I don't know about you, but doing that sometimes can seem really hard work. It can seem hard to keep going. It sometimes feels like it'd be easier to give up on that way. You see, the world around tells us that we should be living in any way other than seeking righteousness It tells us we should be living in any other way other than seeking humility to live the Lord's way and take refuge in the Lord Jesus. You see, the world tells us around, doesn't it not, that we have everything that we need within ourselves. We are our resource. And all we need to do is believe in ourselves and we can achieve anything. We can make anything that we want of ourselves in this world. And so when we hear the words, seek humility, seek righteousness, seek the Lord, it can seem just like hard work. 
it can seem like it'd be easier just to give up. But God would say to us tonight, don't be so foolish. Seek humility. Seek righteousness. Keep seeking me. And then what Zephaniah does is he then gives more reasons why we might do that. And more reasons to keep being humble, to keep seeking righteousness, to keep seeking the Lord. You see, the first thing he says is seek the Lord because the day of the Lord will be worldwide. Now, verses 4 to 15, Zephaniah takes us to the four points of the compass. And he says, on all sides, nations will be destroyed. At first, he looks east in verses 4 to 7. He looks east to the, the bustling port cities of Gaza and Ashkelon, Ashdod and Ekron. And then in verses 8 to 11, he looks west into the, uh, the countries and cities of Moab and the Ammonites. Over the page in verse 12, you see he looks to uh, Cush, which was in the south. And then finally in verses 13 to 15, he looks north. North to the great city and nation of Assyria and Nineveh, the capital. And as he goes round the compass looking at each of those places, he looks at each of them and says, they'll all be destroyed in the day of the Lord. Each of them will be completely ruined. Do you see verses 4 to 7? Gaza. Abandoned, Ashkelon, ruins, Ashdod, empty, Ekron, uprooted. Verse 6, the land by the sea where these people live will be a place for shepherds and sheep pens. You see, the bustling, prosperous cities full of commerce and hustle and bustles will be places where shepherds can come and bring their flocks because there'll be fields and pasture. It would be as if God was saying, you know, that great uh, port city of Rotterdam, that city full of hustle and bustle, that city full of trade and commerce, that will be a place where you can bring your sheep because there will be fields there. You see, that's what he's saying in verse 6. The same happens on the west to uh, the nations of Moab and the Ammonites. You see, verse 9, they'll become a place of weeds and salt pits, a wasteland forever. They'll be destroyed. Maybe it's as if we say in New York and Washington, will be raised so that there's a wilderness where no one can dwell. In verse 12, he looks south to Cush and he just says, they too will be slain. And then he turns his attention north to that great powerful nation of Assyria and her powerful, beautiful city of Nineveh. And verse 13 it will be utterly desolate, as dry as the desert. It's so much so, did you see that the animals and birds, which would normally avoid any kind of human inhabitation, will find a new home there. And when the desolation is worse, there's rubble in those great and beautiful cities. And their dwellings are broken down and those beautiful dwelling places become perches for owls. As if Zephaniah was saying, Edinburgh, so full of history and culture and beauty, is desolate, as dry as the desert. Deer and badgers and golden eagles and owls and grouse roam there. Edinburgh Castle has become a perching place for owls, and the great department store Jenner, the den of wolves. 
See, when we're weary and we're thinking, why do I keep going? Why be humble? Well, Zephaniah looks round the world and he says, because all the world will be destroyed by God. All these places are proud, each in their own way, secure, thinking that they have all the resources they need. And yet they are proud and will be destroyed. He says the same to us tonight. So keep seeking the Lord. Keep seeking to be humble. Keep seeking righteousness. You see, because we can be tempted to look around the world. We might look to the, the prosperous port cities or the places full of commercial success and think, I'll be safe there. We might look to the financial centers of the world, whether it's London or New York or Tokyo, and think they are full of money and control. I'll be safe there. You see, the Canaan seems to have been that burgeoning economy in verses 4 to 7. They were prosperous. The Kerithite people have come across the sea from Crete, I imagine, because they were a good place to trade from, a great place to bring up children. Yet it will be destroyed. Now, maybe we might look to the proud and the mighty, the Moab and the Ammonites of our day, those who are very confident in their own power, I don't know, it might be the kind of America and its chest-thumping, back-slapping greatness that we will always stand and there will be no other. I guess the arrogance that was ours as a nation not so very long ago when we had a huge empire with lands all around the world. You see, that was Moab and the Ammonites. Do you see that in verse 10? They were full of Pride. You see, Moab and Ammon had insulted God's people and so God himself. In verse 8, they had literally magnified themselves. The threats they made made themselves big, magnified themselves. They thought they were great. They had a pride which was against God. And for us, it can seem attractive to put our security in strength and places which seem secure. Indeed, when God says, humble yourself then you're to become meek. And that can seem so very foolish in our world. Yet God says that strong, powerful, proud nations would be a wasteland forever. And when that happens, verse 11, the Lord would be awesome to them when he destroyed their gods. And you know, the Assyrians and the great city of Nineveh, they were proud in their own way. It seems they were a bit different in verse 15. You see, that was a, a carefree city, a city that lived in safety. Do you see what they said, verse 15? I am, and there's none besides me. A carefree city, life of fun and ease and security. And someone said to me this week, that, that's California, is it not? Here's, some, here's how someone described California. I grew up in a utopia. I did. In California, when I was a child, was a paradise. I was healthy, well-fed, well-clothed, well-housed. I went to school, and there were libraries with the entire world in them. And after school, I played in orange groves and in little leagues and played in the band and down on the beach, and every day was an adventure. I grew up in utopia. It sounds attractive, doesn't it? Sounds a good place to live, a place that is secure, where we can live without fear and in ease. Yet for Nineveh, that carefree city, she was destroyed. 
and is no more. See, we can deceive ourselves when we uh, think seeking the Lord seems so weak and pointless. Seeking humility, seeking righteousness, it just doesn't seem the right thing to do. We might say, well, yeah, I know Jesus says store up treasure in heaven. Yeah, surely it's better to store up treasure here on earth for myself, for here in the now. Jesus says, don't seek refuge in the kings of the nations or even in religious institutions. Rather, humble yourself and take refuge in him alone. And it can seem so foolish. I like this comment, which was made by Palmer Robinson in one of the commentaries he's written. He says this, with all the warnings emblazoned in the prophetic record of the past, modern people fail to see the significance of humility in survival before God. Scorn and contempt continue to be poured on all who possess a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. See, how often in Scripture do we read the words, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So don't grow weary in seeking the Lord and in seeking humility. But Zephaniah gives us more. He gives us more reasons why we should still continue in that way. He says, seek the Lord because the day of the Lord will be worldwide. But he also says, Seek the Lord because he will give his remnant a great inheritance. Those who seek humility, those who seek righteousness, those who are seeking the Lord will get a great inheritance. Did you notice it when Zephaniah says it as we went through? Look at the land of the Philistines, completely destroyed. But verse 7 it will belong to the remnant of the house of Judah. There they will find pasture. In the evening they will lie down in the houses of Ashkelon. The Lord their God will care for them. He will restore their fortunes. And then look at verse 9 in in Moab and the the Ammonites. The remnant of my people will plunder them. The survivors of my nation will inherit their land. See, Zephaniah is saying the the remnant of the Lord, that is, those who are seeking the Lord, those who are humble and do what he commands, they will gain everything. Once the day of the Lord comes, they will get it all. There are people who might seem silly now, they might seem weak now, yet in the end, they will gain everything. They will have the blessings of the Lord Almighty and a great inheritance. And the verse 7 is just a lovely picture, isn't it? In the evening, they will lie down in the houses of Ashkelon, lie down in safety and security because the Lord their God will care for them. He will restore their fortunes. And more than that, did you see what happens in in verse 11? It's just over the page. The nations on every shore will worship him, everyone in its own land. 
Do you see, there will be a time when people all around the world are worshipping the Lord. People who are not even in Israel will worship the Lord, who will seek him and they will worship him. And that's the very thing we see in the gospel, is it not? The very thing we see happening now, all over the world, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing. All over the world, as the message of Jesus is proclaimed, there are people who are humbled by it. People who recognize that they are worthless because of their sin, and yet loved amazingly by the Lord Jesus who died on the cross for them. They are people then who put their trust in Jesus, who then seek to live his way, go his way, do what he wants. People who do that, knowing because of Jesus' death on the cross, they are sheltered from the coming wrath. But more than that, all over the world, is there not people now who know of a hope which is stored up for them in heaven? A great inheritance for the future? When Jesus returns, there'll be a people who will know the Lord God and God will dwell with them. They know that they have an inheritance which is kept in heaven for them. They know there's an inheritance which can never perish, spoil, or fade. They know that they will come to a place where there'll be no more crying and no more death and no more sickness anymore. It's what we sang about in our last hymn. When with the ransomed in glory, his face I at last shall see. My joy will be through the ages to sing of his love for me. Or in the one before that, we say, he waits for me at gates of gold. He crowns my life with loving kindness, his triumph song I'll ever sing. You see, Zephaniah said, the remnant of the Lord would gain everything. And that's true for us as Christian believers who trust in the Lord Jesus and his death on the cross for us. We will gain heaven, the new heavens and the new earth. We will gain everything. And so humble yourselves now and keep going. Seek righteousness now and keep going. Seek the Lord now and keep going. And when you think, maybe it's not worth seeking the Lord, maybe I should just give up. It would be easier to do what everyone else does. Remember, all the nations, all, all the world will face the day of the Lord. There's no escape. But also remember that in following the Lord, you have a great inheritance. An inheritance which will never perish, spoil or fade, which is kept in heaven for you. And so keep trusting in the Lord. Keep seeking him and seeking humility and seeking righteousness. Well, let me pray. Father God, when we are tempted to turn away from you, we do keep reminding us of the truth and of reality. Would you remind us of the folly of rejecting you and turning away from you and turning to uh, things which will ultimately be judged by you? Would you protect us from those who are proud in themselves? And would you protect us from becoming proud in ourselves? 
And rather, Father, would you keep reminding us of the great inheritance you've won for us and the great security and safety there is in trusting in the Lord Jesus. May we see that in your sight, being humble is of great price and that you give grace to the humble and you will give us your inheritance in the future. So strengthen us to keep following you, we pray. And we ask in Jesus' name, amen.